And so if you apply any level of common sense to the Jewish narrative here, that 500 people, including patients in critical condition, on life-saving equipment, children, women, nurses, doctors. Don't we want more doctors and nurses in the Gaza Strip? Isn't this a humanitarian crisis already? Aren't there millions of people packed into a place that really can't accommodate them? Yes, they tear apart their own infrastructure to make missiles. That's stupid. They shouldn't do that. Don't we want to educate and civilize these barbarians? Is the way forward in the education and civilization of these Mohammedan barbarians to just blow them up, blow up their hospital, blow up their buildings, blow up their housing, blow up their infrastructure, deprive them of running water, power, basic necessities, transport, highways? Do we actually think that we can defeat them in this way? Who, who has ever been defeated in this way, I ask? I'm, this is a serious question. I, I, and I don't, I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know of too many cases in world history where a committed, like a philosophically committed enemy someone who has a strong ideology and a will to fight. I can't think of a situation where that person or persons or people have been defeated by acts of vandalism, terrorism, violence, indiscriminate violence. I, I, don't, I don't know that... Um, I don't know. I don't know that there is that there are too many. Look, it, when you even go back to we wanted to win World War II. Everybody talks about uh, the United States winning World War II. We really wanted to win World War II. Did we win World War II because we killed every last German? Did we win it because of the way that we tortured the civilian populaces in places like Dresden, Hamburg, Tokyo, Hiroshima? Is that how we won World War II? We broke the enemy's will to continue fighting? Do we think that we're going to break Hamas's will to continue fighting? By continuing to blow up their hospitals, by continuing to blow up their stuff, and then claim that it was them, and then pull the Jewish switcheroo on it and say, oh, you guys blew up your own thing to make us poor, innocent Holocaust survivors look bad. I, I just don't know. I don't know the answer to that question because, you know, it wasn't that long ago that I would have been on the train that says, finish them. Just, just drive in there and kill every member of Hamas. The problem is, we don't know who's Hamas and who's just a regular Palestinian. 
And a lot of those people are innocent, and a lot of them are Christians. Israel now saying that there is no such thing as an innocent civilian population anywhere in Palestine, anywhere in the Gaza Strip. There's no such thing as an innocent civilian population. Do you see what's happening here? This, this is getting very serious. This is getting very, very dark. We would not tolerate language like this from anyone else on planet Earth besides Netanyahu. He gets to, he gets to talk like a genocidal maniac. He gets to sit in the comfort of his selected position where he is backed by the world's lone superpower and he makes he makes these claims that anyone else in the world would be rejected kicked off of the security council kicked off of the human rights council expelled from the united nations this laughs in the face of the Geneva Convention, this type of language. There's no such thing as an innocent populace anywhere in the Gaza Strip. You know, I made this, this uh, observation last week. And it's, it's becoming more and more increasingly true. I was just musing out loud. I was wondering... How in the world have there even been genocides in, in modern world history? How have genocides come to pass? How have they come to be? And the answer is, is that they happen in plain sight and to the cheering and adulation of the uninformed, low-information masses. Most of the quote-unquote Western world right now is cheering on the idea that one to two to three to four million human beings are being systematically exterminated hospital by hospital, building by building in the Middle East. You can see the cheering in the streets. You can see it on television. When we get to the point where AOC starts to sound like a voice of reason. And she does. AOC on CNN sounds like a voice of reason. And I, I don't know what alternate universe I'm living... Do you want to hear this clip? I don't know if I can get you the clip. I'm going to get you the clip, okay? AOC sounds like a voice of reason... And I don't know what to do with myself right now. Are you feeling the same way? Are, am I alone in trying to understand how it has come to pass that AOC goes on CNN and CNN defends Israel, challenges AOC, and just basically advocates for unrestricted total war against a defenseless and innocent civilian population. How did how did it come to pass that CNN is advocating for war? 
And AOC is 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 the voice of reason. Here she is. As all of this kind of kicked off, you and several other of your colleagues uh, released a statement calling on a, for a ceasefire uh, in the region. But I wonder, what is Israel supposed to do about Hamas after they murdered, brutalized, mm-hmm. abducted over mm-hmm. a thousand of their citizens? Are they supposed to just do nothing? Well, you know, I think what's important to note about a ceasefire is that it's not one-sided. Hamas has been sending thousands of rockets into Israel as well. And what is important is for us to identify our goal in terms of what safety means, in terms of what defense means. But and if I, think I may, it, Congresswoman, I think the position from Israel's perspective is that there was already an attack. Mm-hmm. And Hamas already committed an attack. Mm-hmm. After that happened, do you really believe that they should not respond to that? I think what is important in terms of response is Israel does have a right to to self-defense. I think what we need to take a look at in this situation is if collective punishment qualifies as defense, if the blockade on water, food, electricity, if the dropping of white phosphorus, uh, which is an indiscriminate weapon, qualifies. So I do believe that there's a discussion to be had here. I don't believe but, that an either-or approach is what is necessary, but we should identify what our goal is, which is the cooling of tensions in the well, region. Israel's goal is to rid the region of Hamas. They've mm-hmm. been very clear about that. And I certainly take what you're saying about the condition of Gaza right now for civilians who, as you point out, are not synonymous with Hamas. But for Israel to deal with Hamas, which uh, is a force that is actually detrimental to Palestinians. Absolutely. How else are they supposed to address a violent militant, Mm -hmm. some say terrorist group, Mm -hmm. other than to go in there and and take them on directly? Well, You know, when we talk about going in there, I think we should also keep in mind President Biden's statements uh, as well about what what the implications of a potential ground invasion would be. This is an inherently complex situation. I do believe that Hamas needs to be dealt with. But how, I think, is what I'm trying to understand. And I think what we're trying to figure out right now is that this present situation of collective punishment and and indiscriminate attack is, is one approach, but we are seeing the, the issues and the complications with that approach now. I'm just, Can we target them in terms of intelligence? Is there precision? Are, what are the options available? Are, an entire, are, are entirely up to the administration and for, for Israel to, um, to examine and explore. I'm as stunned as you are. First of all, I didn't realize that AOC had a vocabulary capable of describing exactly what was happening in the Gaza Strip. I don't even... uh, You see the memes, and the memes are funny, and obviously she's not a high IQ member of Congress. So she's been coached, and she's learned these words. And she maybe had to spell them out. They probably did flashcards. I don't know what the memory device was to get her ready uh, to, to be able to make these these bold statements but here you have AOC accurately describing the idea that we are using indiscriminate weapons like white phosphorus you know I was texting my dad and I was like hey what are your views just generally speaking on the use of white phosphorus on a civilian population like in general I I'm not asking 
in any particular sense. I'm not asking about Israel and Palestine. I'm not asking about... I'm just asking, is there a principle in play that you can appeal to one way or the other to either justify and defend or to condemn the use of white phosphorus against a civilian population, just in general? We, before you know any of the specifics, wouldn't answer the question, of course, because he knows what I'm getting at. See, here's the problem with people who have no principles, or whose principles are Israel first, which is the same thing as having no principles if you're an American citizen. Because it's not a crazy idea that if you live in the United States, you should think about the United States' interests first. You should be a patriot first. That's, that was my problem. And maybe that was your problem too, I don't know. Some of you have probably been awake longer than I have. But I have the microphone, so I get to tell you about my problem. My problem was that I falsely believed that to be a patriot in these United States was to unconditionally support any and all actions around the world that further quote-unquote democracy to unconditionally support any and all actions around the world in support of, quote-unquote, freedom, democracy, our way of life, quote-unquote. What is our way of life? I've now come to understand that the USA is characterized by usury, sodomy, and abortion. USA, that's what it stands for. That is our way of life, and that's our chief export. We're really, really good at making sure the rest of the world lives our quote-unquote way of life, of usury, sodomy, and abortion. I used to believe that patriotism meant that if the president says we're saddling up, boys, we got somewhere to be, we got someone to meet, and a job to do, that we put our boots on, our helmets, our Kevlars, load our weapons, get in the plane, and go. I thought that was the highest and most distinguished form of patriotism there was. I thought falsely that this is exactly what I was born to do. My duty. But patriotism is a Catholic virtue, ladies and gentlemen. And there is always more to the story when it comes to Catholic virtue. Moral theology is just a unending onion of richness and good information, layers and layers and layers of beautiful meaning. What is patriotism? Patriotism in its essence is to love your country. And what does it mean to love something? What does it mean to have charity for something? It means that you will the good of that thing. If you love your wife, you will her good. If you have charity for your neighbor, you will the good of your neighbor. What does it mean to love your wife? It means to wish the best for her, and the absolute best for her is that she goes to heaven. What does it mean to love a place, a country, a people? It means to will their ultimate good. 
patriotism is not the unquestioning acceptance of how a nation is. It is a continual work of striving that your people, your countrymen, can be a certain way. It is, a, it is, a, 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 it is aspirational. It thinks about the possible. It thinks about what, how things ought to be, the ideal. Patriotism is loving our nation, which means we will it to be good, which means we will it to be a confessional Catholic state, an integrally Catholic state. We will our nation to be a place where it is easy to live out the Catholic life. Presently, our nation is defined by usury and sodomy and abortion. That makes it hard to live out a Catholic life. When you live under the blanket of usury, when you are entrapped in debt your whole life, when you're born into it and you die in it, and there's no escape from it, it's like the sky spread out over everything. You can never outrun it. It's everywhere. Sodomy is the official religion of half the country, including most of the government. Abortion is the high sacrament of the anti-church, which presently rules our land. Is it easy or is it hard to live a sacramental Christian life in circumstances such as these?